Welcome to the online ministry of Pacific Beach United Methodist Church, located in beautiful San Diego, California. Pacific Beach UMC is a member of the Reconciling Ministries Network and welcomes persons of all ages and backgrounds for worship, study, and service opportunities. More information can be found on our website at pbumc.org. May you be enriched by the hearing of these words, and may you receive and enjoy God's blessing. Today's scripture is Mark 16, 1 through 11, the resurrection of Jesus. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large and had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been risen. He is not here. Look, there is a place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Now after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Thank you, Julie. Good morning. I'm Dart Rhodes. I am not the pastor of this church. I am pleased to say she's right there being supportive and loving as she always is. She's worshiping with you this morning in our pews. This is the fifth Sunday of, of, in July, and we shake things up around here on the fifth Sundays. I'm going to shake up my mask. That's right. I forgot. Um, <laughs> so sorry. Of course, I'm going to do it clumsy and off, awkward. Got it. <laughs> um, about six weeks ago or so, Jesse, our director of education, asked me if I would do this today. Six weeks ago, sure, not till the end of July, not a problem. And then he told me that the sermon series is Faces of Faith and that my person, a historical person, character, I don't know what to call her, was Mary Magdalene. And I said to him, wasn't she a prostitute? Yeah, he laughed too. So this was six weeks ago, and I, I did a deep dive on Mary Magdalene. I have learned more than I ever could imagine about Mary Magdalene, and she's a fascinating person. I'm glad to know what I know, and I'm glad to tell you some of it. Um, <laughs> when my little girl, Amberlynn, most of you know Amberlynn, she's now a senior in college and 
planning to be a teacher, but when she was young, she was terrified. She couldn't speak in front of people. And she just knew everybody was judging her and hating her from the seats of the, of the church. And I would, she would be in Miss Vicky's children's choir. And she was great when I said in September, look, we're gonna do this church program in, uh, in December. Well, sure, she was all on board because that was down the road. As time would get closer, my little girl would get more and more frightened and stage fright and shy. And I would tell her, Amberlynn, you will never find a more loving, accepting, supportive, and forgiving audience than you will find at our church. And that could get her through. She'd be like, okay, so if I make a mistake, they won't hate you, they will not. They will not, they will probably love you all the more. So she would go ahead and do the performance. She was always flawless or funny, or it didn't even matter, she was doing it. So here I am, <laughs> and fear has, come up in me because I'm not a preacher. And Amberlynn was home this week from Orange County where she goes to college and she said to me, Mom, don't worry about it. You will never find a more loving, supportive, forgiving audience than I have here today. So the first thing I want to do is ask your forgiveness because on my rather long and circuitous path to get me to this exact place and time, I forgot to go to seminary. I did not take one single class in sermon development or delivery, not one. I did go to a Christian college. I took Old Testament, New Testament, theology and doctrine, and I forgot all that and thought Mary was a prostitute. So <laughs> forgive me as I do my best here. Faces of faith. You know, I got hurt a few months ago, and I've had to struggle with forgiveness for nine months and three days, but who's counting? So I do have to sit sometimes. I injured my leg. Or somebody else who had no right to hurt me, he injured my leg. I'm having a hard time forgiving, but um, so I'm, I do have to sit a little bit. So when I think of faces of faith in my life, I immediately think of my mom and dad. Their pictures are right down below, if you can see it. That's Kenneth and Rose Rhodes. Some of you know Na my mom, we do call her Nana, and she attended this church with us the last few years of her life. But when she was younger, she attended Bible college, seminary, she got the assignment, and uh, she and my dad were both ordained ministers in the Salvation Army, and that is a church, that is a Christian denomination, not just a string of thrift stores. And back in the 50s, they were progressive enough that they were ordaining women into the ministry, and they ordained my mom and my dad. My dad was a preacher. I am trying so hard to not dishonor my dad. He was a preacher. He was never more alive or on purpose than when he was standing in a pulpit. And my dad was an amputee. He would wear an ill-fitting, uncomfortable, painful, prosthetic legs so that he could stand in a pulpit. Here I am sitting, but, you know, <laughs> forgiving, forgiving people, forgiving. Um, my dad was a preacher. He got the assignment. My mom was a minister, and there's quite a difference. They were both Christians. They both were doing what God called them to do. My mom had a love in her heart for all people. If anybody had any need, my mom would do her best 
she would hear them and she would help them and she would, most of all, pray for them. Because my mom was a woman of prayer and faith. No matter what was the issue, you take it to mom, she'll pray for it. Now, sometimes I wanted her to just pay the rent. Instead, she'd pray for the rent. <laughs> she taught me that God always answers prayers. And if y'all were praying for that billion-dollar lottery, let me tell you, God still answered your prayer, but the answer was no, <laughs> or not now. But my mom taught me to pray about everything. She was a wonderful woman of faith. And that, <laughs> I wondered why was I going to talk about Mary Magdalene. Let me just talk about mom and dad. But y'all didn't know mom and dad, and you can get to know Mary Magdalene. So I'm going to roll up my sleeves now, and we're going to get into it. Mary Magdalene. She was mentioned in all four of the Gospels, and she was mentioned by name 12 times, more than any other person in the Bible other than her own, his own, Lord, the Lord's own family. She was not a prostitute. Get that. I don't know why I thought that. Well, you know what? Back in the 6th century, 600 B.C., uh, A.D., Pope Peter got it all confused. He mixed up all these Marys. Mary of Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, the Ill, woman of ill repute. He got them all mixed up. And he decided that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. The truth is, when you really study it, as modern scholars have done, she was not a prostitute at all. She was a woman of great beauty and wealth. And Christ sent seven demons out of her body, and she was so grateful that she decided to follow him for the rest of her life. She was absolutely committed. And you think, demons? Seven demons? What an evil, Satan-filled woman. No, back then, you could have the demon of illness, it wasn't always a spiritual evil demon. It could be he healed her of illness, but it was worded in a way that we kind of have a hard time understanding it, so we think it's evil demons, when probably not, probably not. And Mary followed Jesus. She was his most trusted, closest, most beloved disciple. But how come she wasn't counted among the 12? You know, we hear about the 12 disciples. We don't count Mary. What is she, Baker's Dozen number 13? She wasn't counted simply because she was a woman. And she was at the Last Supper. She was absolutely there. She isn't in that picture by Leonardo because she was a woman. Still, Jesus used her in the most amazing way. She was present when he was horrifically beaten and tortured and killed on the cross. She was there. She witnessed it. She was there. She anointed his body with, with oils for burial. She saw him. She touched him. She knew he had died. She was there. And then she went back, and the stone had been rolled away, and she peeked inside. Yo, Jesus, you hear? Angels were there, and she saw them, but she didn't see the Lord's body. But she was there. She saw it. And then there was this man. She mistakenly thought he was just the groundskeeper. And she said, hey, what happened to Jesus? And as soon as that man spoke her name, it was instant recognition. Jesus said, Mary. And oh, wow. 
Jesus is alive. And this woman of faith did not say, huh, I must be dreaming. Or, gee, what was in that wine? She said, Lord, she recognized him. She knew him. There wasn't a doubt in her mind. That woman who had every right to have doubts, she saw him killed. When she saw him alive, just immediately, recognition, what can I do? What do you need? He said, don't touch me, but go tell the boys that I'm here. Now, she was just a woman. For her to go and tell anybody anything, are they really likely to listen? I mean, back then, seriously, even now, honestly. <laughs> honestly, you kind of go, okay, Mary, whatever you say. But she got the assignment. She did it. She did it without question. Earlier, before the crucifixion, when she met Jesus, she poured out some really expensive perfume and oils, and she was cleaning his feet, and she was wiping his feet with her hair, which leads us to know she was beautiful and had long flowing hair. That was a symbol of beauty then. She was using her hair to wipe his feet. Well, I couldn't do that, that's for sure. But she did it, she did it without question, and Peter said, Lord, rebuke her. She is wasteful. She could sell these beautiful oils and perfumes and give the money to the poor. And Jesus did not rebuke her. You know what Jesus did? My hero. He rebuked Peter. He said, Peter, you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. And we know that she was beautiful and wealthy because the Bible tells us that out of her own resources, she funded Jesus' ministry in Galilee. That's pretty cool. That's, you know, she must have had some substantial resources, right? Good for her. Absolutely. Yay for Mary. And Mary Magdalene, I kind of was curious about her name, Mary Magdalene. Magdalene, that's a cool last name. Well, the truth is, it's like I was raised in a church of the Nazarene. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, is, is the way Mary Magdalene's name comes from. She's Mary of Magdala, which was a small village, fishing village on the western shore of, of the Sea of Galilee. And so Mary Magdalene really means Mary of Magdala, but thank goodness we have that to differentiate her from all the other Marys, because back then, what I read, is half of all women were named Mary. Half of all women were named Mary. And so we are, I am grateful that, <laughs> that the Bible tells us which one, Mary Magdalene, she was present in his ministry. She was at his last supper. She was at the crucifixion. She was at the resurrection. And through it all, she had an unshakable, undeniable, fearless faith a fearless faith. And I feel like my mom had a fearless faith. So what does Mary teach us? She teaches us that we are to be forgiving. Even when Peter was rather salty, she still loved him. He was still one of the 12. Even when others treated her less than, a second-class citizen, simply because of her gender. She was loving. She was there. She got the assignment. So when I come to a place of needing 
to be forgiving of someone. And my Bible says, not just seven times, 70 times seven. And I'm struggling with forgiveness, and I come, I, I, I get it. I'm like, okay, I can't honestly, the guy that hit me, I can't remember his name. <laughs> my children know his name. I have this mental block on this guy's name, but I kind of have some hate about it because he had no business blowing through that red light, being under the influence of something and slamming into me and hurting my body the way he did. He had no right to do that. And every day I've had to seek forgiveness for him. And some days I do it, I'm like, okay, okay, we're good, we're good. Until the next time my leg hurts so bad, I can hardly breathe. Or the next time something goes wrong and I have another surgery. There goes that forgiveness, what, what happened? So I think I'm, I'm, in, I'm coming close to that 70 times seven. Hopefully I'm gonna get it. I really wanna get it and, and move past this. But in the meantime, what I know I can do is trust that God has my back and that prayer will be answered and that as long as I have faith like Mary that's unshakable, steadfast, fearless and permanent, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. And hopefully, mom, dad, you're looking down on me. <laughs> hopefully they know that they made the biggest influence on my life. They taught me that God is love. Mom taught me to live and love and give to people, to be of service. They were a dynamic team, mom and dad. Oh, you should have seen them. They, they were good because they got the assignment. Mary, she got the assignment. And whether or not she got credit, she was there. She was there every step of the way with all of her resources, all of her time, her love, her energy, her forgiveness. And really she sets an example that we could not do better to learn and follow. And believe me, she wasn't a prostitute, okay? She wasn't. Get that one, drop that one. She was a woman of faith, deep abiding faith. And she was Jesus's closest disciple. That's all, that's all I have, that's all I can ask, that's all I can offer. Please pray with me for our prayers of the people. Thank you, God. Oh, excuse me. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be together, no matter what it is that's going on around us. We're thankful to be here and to be in your presence. We know that you know the prayers of our hearts, and we pray that you'll respond to each of them and will give us the peace that passeth all understanding in every situation. We pray for the prayers that are lifted in our prayer chain, that you will oversee each of these situations and have your hand upon them. We pray for those affected by the flooding in Kentucky and that your presence will be strong in this state and in their lives. We pray for the decisions that need to be made in our country and for our country and that they will be in the right, the right decisions and with your guidance leading the way. We also pray for each unspoken prayer in the hearts of each person sitting here today, 
and for each person that is listening online. We also pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.